It is often a failure to realize this truth that causes individuals who have a good foundation to their lives to then become unstuck, go the wrong way, and destroy their own lives. A failure to realize that the righteous are never forsaken. And therefore, the most important thing you can ever do in your life going forward is to secure a right relationship with God. To secure a right relationship with God. And that's what we are being taught in this passage of Scripture that is here before us. The psalmist David is the one who wrote this psalm, as you see in the introduction. It simply says, of David. We are not quite told when he wrote it, but the very first verse that we will be looking at, verse 25, says, I have been young and now am old, suggesting that he must have written it in old age. So at least that much we can know. The third thing I want us to say by way of introduction is why did David write it? The reason is quite simple. You can't miss it if you read verse 1, verse 7, and verse 8. The, our version says, fret not which simply means do not fret or do not be anxious. Let me read those three verses to you. First of all, verse 1, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herbs. Verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. And lastly, verse 8 and 9. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not, there it is again, yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In other words, do not be anxious. Do not worry. Why do people ever worry? It's because we don't know the future. Why do people ever worry? It's because they know of other people in whose lives things have not turned out well. And so they are asking themselves the question, will that be me? Why do people worry? It's because they look around and they want something to rely on, to rest upon. 
so that they are assured of a better future. And they don't seem to have something very tangible. And so they worry, they are anxious, they fret. Well, David gives many reasons in this psalm not to worry. There are two that are in my text today. The first is his own lengthy observation. He was once young, he's now old. There are certain things that he has seen in life that are consistent, as consistent as the sun rising and going down every day. And he's saying, listen to my testimony. And the second is a plea that he makes with the promise that goes with it. Let's quickly look at those two and we will be done. First of all, the testimony. There are some lessons, my young friends, and I have in mind here are great servants who are living, and then the rest of us can eavesdrop. There are some lessons you can only learn from the laboratory of long life on earth. Not of ego's nest school. As important as ego's nest might be. And it is that that Paul, rather David here points us to in verse 25 and verse 26. He puts it this way. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, or his children begging for bread. Instead, he is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing, he is telling us there. What is it that David has observed? He has observed after so many years the blessing that goes to a person who is righteous. The blessing that goes to a person who is righteous. Who is a righteous person? A righteous person is somebody who has now been reconciled to God and who now seeks to follow after the guidelines of God himself. The guidelines that are put there in the word of God. David is testifying here of such a person, and he is saying that such a person is truly blessed of God. In fact, the whole book of Psalms begins on this same note. Let me just quickly read, not the whole of it, Psalm 1, but the beginning. And what I want you to notice from Psalm 1 is that such a person refuses to listen to bad people and instead listens to God's word alone. Psalm 1, the Bible says there, beginning with verse 1, Blessed is the man, there it is, blessed is the man 
who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That's the righteous person. He is one who no longer listens to bad people, but is convinced that his guide should be the law of the Lord. And because of that, he meditates upon it day and night. At the end of that psalm, we are told, for the Lord knows, or he watches over the way of the righteous. Exactly what we are learning about in Psalm 37. It is an individual who has so come into a relationship with God, who trusts in God, and therefore God says, I will look after you. I will look after you. And the proof that he trusts in God is that he takes his words seriously. So, great sevens, you've been given the book. I hope you have it with you. You've already passed it on to your parents. You've got it with you. Raise them, let's see. There we are. There we are. There we are. That's the book. Thank you, you can put them down. That's the book that will teach you how to be reconciled to God. That's the book that will teach you how to live in this world. And you can be sure that as you commit your life to God, he will also commit himself to watching over you. Now, there's nothing mysterious about that, by the way. Because a righteous person does not only believe in God, but he also obeys God's word. And the Bible tells us that we are to subdue the earth. That's in Genesis chapter 1. We are to subdue the earth. We are to work the earth. We are to take care of the earth. We are to work hard with our hands. So instead of being lazy... Instead of trying to, to find shortcuts to wealth, which in the end cause you to break the law, cause you to be punished by others, you in integrity seek to live according to this book because it tells you the way in which you are to live. This same book warns against soul-destroying habits like violence, sexual immorality, theft, lying, lust, and so on, which again is the pitfall of so many individuals. That book is going to keep you from sin or sin will keep you from that book. The righteous are individuals that say, I will live by this book for the rest of my life. And you know what God does? He says, 
I will also commit myself to watching over you. I will also commit myself to be a blessing in your life. May I suggest and highly recommend that these two go together. They go together. Hard work, honesty, integrity, being generous to others. And at the same time, God blessing what you are doing and consequently you prove to be fulfilled. There's a hymn we used to sing when I was in primary school. Actually, it was secondary school. So there's the school you'll be going to next year. And uh, it had these words. I asked the guys to put it on the screen. We plow, notice what we are doing. Eh? We plow the fields and scatter the good seed on the land. But, and that's an important but, it is fed and watered by God's almighty hand. He sends the snow in winter, the warmth to swell the grain, the breezes and the sunshine and the soft, refreshing rain. What's the result of that? Because all good gifts around us are sent from heaven above, we thank the Lord. We thank the Lord for all his love. But notice, we plow the fields and scatter. And one of the things I detest about a lot of preaching these days is a preaching that seems to suggest that as long as you can come to me as the man of God, I will pray dabracadabra over your life and suddenly your bank account will become fat. If you ever go to that church, run away. Young people, run away. It's a poisonous lie. The two go together. Even passing the exams that are coming, it's not just because Elder Sitali prayed for you. Uh -uh. It's because you also worked hard. You burned the midnight candle. You came for classes on Saturdays, as we heard from the, the parent. You did all that. But you also recognized God. God. He works in tandem together with you. That's the first thing, the testimony of a lengthy observation. And young people, you can ask your parents, and if they are still young, ask your grandparents. They will tell you that there's no shortcut in life. The most important is your relationship with God. You ask them, what has happened to all those who were with them in grade 7? 
who were using shortcuts, who were wicked and evil and unrighteous, ask them. And as the psalmist tells us here in chapter 37 of Psalms, they've since disappeared. Disappeared. They destroyed themselves. Quickly, the second. And it is the appeal that is made by David, which I also want to echo today. An appeal to you that points to God. An appeal to you that points to God. Verse 27 down to verse 29. Turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever, for the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. David makes this appeal based on who God is. He says there, the Lord loves justice, he says. In other words, the God who made the universe the God who through your parents brought you into this world. This God is a moral being. Never forget that. In heaven he is worshipped as holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He's not worshipped as loving, loving, loving is the Lord God Almighty. He's not even worshipped as Almighty, almighty, almighty. The emphasis is on his holiness. Let nobody ever cheat you that this God is so benevolent, so loving, that you can live carelessly and sinfully and he still finally bless you. Again, that's a lie. And that's the reason why the most important issue to handle in your life is not passing grade 7. Uh-uh. The most important issue that you can handle in your life is your relationship with God. And I hope you've heard that enough times in Ego's Nest. That the most important thing we want you to go away with is not the piece of paper that says you've passed grade 7 well. But it is that you found God here. Or that better still, God found you here. He's the one who matters above everything. Because your life is in his hands. His story is in his hands as well. And so the psalmist there says, turn away from evil and do good. Turn away from evil. You can't do that in your own strength. It's absolutely impossible. I'm sure you've tried many times, especially after listening to a sermon by Pastor Svali. You go out there and you promise, I think I'll stop 
But by the end of the day, you are back to your own old ways. You can't. And thankfully, Jesus Christ can save you. He is the all-powerful Savior. If you go to him saying, Lord, I've recognized that I am a sinner. I deserve to go to hell because of my sin. Lord, save me. Please save me. That's why you died on the cross, to save me. Today, save me. As we already heard from an earlier testimony, he will save you. What I love about the words we have here is, uh, remember, it's about not fretting. And often when we think about not being anxious we, or not being worried, we, we only think about our lives here on earth. That's all, just life on earth, that, that everything will be well until I die, we say. But you know, life on earth is just a very brief probation period. It's very brief. Very brief. I know as children you don't believe it. But I want to assure you, life is very short. There is a forever to worry about. A forever. And if you look at the words in verse 27 to verse 29, you will notice, as we noticed about fretting earlier, three times the word forever appears. Three times. Turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever. The second part of verse 28. They are preserved forever. And the last part of verse 29. And dwell upon it forever. Strictly speaking, each one of us, our greatest anxiety is on that point when we now face death. Because at that point, everything you have lived for on earth, you must leave behind. Everything. Nobody carries anything from this world into the next except your relationship with God. Because the next item on the agenda is judgment. This moral God gave each one of us a conscience. A conscience that tells us when we do right and when we do wrong. Why has he done that? It is so that when we meet him on the judgment day, there's no excuse, absolutely no excuse. You can be sure that as you stand before him, and your records are opened. If the shed blood of Jesus Christ has not washed away your sin, if at that time you are not clothed 
in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, you will even be saying, stop, stop, enough. I deserve to go to hell. Because when I was doing wrong, I knew it. Your conscience told me that I was doing wrong. I just didn't listen. We all have that. The realization that I will die. In fact, one of the saddest experiences is to still be young and to recognize that I will die because my father has already died or my mother has already died. I was nine years old when my mother died. I'm now a little older. But it was traumatic enough to hear the people arriving home crying and wailing and mourning and lamenting all the way from the gate. And I knew I would never see my mother again. So it's possible that as young as you are, you already face this reality. That there is death and there is a life after death that we call forever, forever. David here is basically saying, thank God that he's a God who loves justice. He's a moral God. Now I know the first impression you think is, uh-uh, but that means trouble. Uh-uh, it doesn't. Because somebody who believes in justice believes in fair play. And therefore, if someone has already paid for your sins, he will not punish you also. He loves justice. And that's why Christians, long before they die, are able to say, when I die, I'll go to heaven. And people say, but how do you know? How do you know? Oh, because someone has already died for my sins. He's already paid my Kongole when he was on the cross. It's done. It's finished. So when I appear before God on the judgment day, I won't tremble. I will not be wanting to dash under some kind of shrub or hide behind Angel Gabriel. I know that Jesus Christ has completely paid for my sins. In the Old Testament, they used to take a sacrifice. That's what when David were doing, taking sacrifices all the time to the tabernacle and later on to the temple. And that animal was slain. Its blood was poured on the altar. And the message was clear. God, another has died in my place. Another. Since you are a God of justice, shall you punish two in the place of one? And the answer is no. So those who were like David, who repented of their sins and took the sacrifice, were grateful that the Lord loves justice. Therefore, 
He will not forsake his saints. He will not forsake his holy ones. He will not forsake the righteous. He will not forsake those who have now become his. And therefore the contrast with which we now end. They are preserved forever. The children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. Let me say as I close. The truth is that if today you are in a right relationship with God, he will never forsake you. Never. You can leave eagle's nest. You can leave your parents home finally. You can go into this world that is wicked, a world that is destructive. You can even finally face death. Looking right at it. And you come out on the opposite end in the hands of God. So let me ask, have you by today come to genuine repentance? A young lady was talking about that word repentance that she kept hearing all the time, repentance. Have you genuinely repented and put your trust in Jesus Christ, have you? As your only hope of salvation. Have you done so? Has God changed your heart? Enabling you to begin to live a life of holiness, a life of doing good. Has that happened in your life as yet. Young people, this is the only guarantee of a truly blessed life, both on this side and on the one to come. It is what is going to prevent you from fretting, from being anxious, from worrying, when you know that God is on your side. May I also say to those of us who are eavesdropping, the friends, the siblings, the parents, the guardians, and everybody else who is in here, that this message is true for us as well. Many positions in society, jobs, marriage, and so many other things that we often rely on will fail us. They will. There's only one anchor that can really look after us in the storms of life. God. Are you in that relationship with him now? Remember, he's a holy being, a righteous being, a moral being. Have you turned away from sin 
everything you know to be sinful and genuinely put your trust in that Savior that he satisfied the wrath of God on your behalf. He took your sins upon him. Have you done that? If you haven't, sadly, you're going to go through this life alone and you will weep forever on the other side of the grave. So I want to end by pleading with you, even as we come to the end of celebrating the lives we have enjoyed with these young people, that each one of us turn to Christ. Turn to Christ. Turn to Christ today and be saved. Amen.